0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello everybody, it's Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio. Excited for another episode. Today we have a great interview. I refer to many of these interviews as like in the trenches and what that means is We have a true practitioner today, Jeff Webb. I'm going to tell you more about him in just a moment, but a few quick announcements. If you've got a a story you want to share, or if you've got a question that you'd like to ask me, go to any one of my social media channels. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and more. And make sure you use that hashtag, AskShep. And I'll either answer the questions right there or I may even answer them here or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, uh, Roku, uh, C-Suite TV, and in other over-the-top stations. But also, we've just recently put all uh, episodes, at least from season one, on YouTube. So go to beamazing.tv if you want to catch some of those episodes. All right, let's get into our amazing interview today. And we're going to be talking in just a moment with Jeff Webb, who is the vice president strategy at Pros. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to bring him on and let him tell us a little bit about Pros and who he is. But I will tell you very briefly that he's worked with technology and marketing. Uh, for a long time. He has more than 25 years experience in the technology industry. And today, more than ever, I think technology is being used to supplement the positive outcome that customers are getting when they do business with really forward-thinking and customer-focused companies. Jeff Webb, thanks for joining us on Amazing Business Radio.
1: Thank you for having me, Shep. I'm really excited to be here. So, and you can tell
0: Jeff's accent, he is from Houston, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can you tell with that accent? That's right. actually is. Where are you from originally?
1: Originally Northern England. It's Northern, not so much of a Texas accent, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's probably a little warmer in in Houston than it was
1: in Northern England. Generally speaking, definitely a lot warmer. We're getting some rain soon though, so who knows?
0: Yeah. So, hey, why don't we start off by a quick little background on you and Pros, who is the company that you are working with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Love to. Uh, You know, Pros, we're a software company. We've been in business for uh, several decades now, 100% focused on really transforming the way that businesses sell, whether that's, you know, an airline, whether that's a manufacturing company, a a food distribution company, a cargo and freight company, whatever it is, we, uh, we, we enable them to really think about delivering a much better, much higher profit, much more uh, enjoyable buying experience for their customers, by really layering on AI and machine learning into the whole process to extract insight and make that insight available across all of their different channels, direct sales, e-commerce, partners, et cetera, et cetera. All
0: right, so you've said, just in your explanation, you've given us a few thoughts. And that is, uh, first of all, I wanna talk about automation versus human to human. And yeah. what's the right blend that I, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to forget. That's an important concept. Uh, but you, uh, you mentioned consumer types of businesses. You mentioned some B2B businesses mm-hmm. and a lot of my notes today focus on B2B, which I'm glad because uh, almost everything we talk about in B2B applies to the B2C world, business to mm-hmm. consumer, not always the other way around. Once in a while, I'll get an email from somebody saying, when are you going to bring someone on to talk about B2B? Today could be the day that they've been waiting
1: for. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So uh, before I get into actually the, the, some of the questions I wanted to ask, which we may or may not ever get to, uh, uh, the balance between automation, uh, artificial intelligence, basically disconnecting yourself personally from a customer there needs to be a balance. Let's talk about that for a minute. I'm just going to lob this as kind of a softball out there for you to play with.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's a really interesting area right now. You know the, um, And I know we'll probably talk about this in a little bit more detail, the changes that have occurred in just the way people want to buy, especially B2B, mm-hmm. and the way that businesses are having to sell as a result of the pandemic has really accelerated some moves into what we would think of as digital selling, whether that's, you know, enabling a a traditional salesperson with more tools and information, or increasingly opening up additional digital channels to sell to. And what we see is that um, things like artificial intelligence and machine learning have an incredibly important role to play in delivering value at both ends, right? Enabling the, the vendor to do a better job, to understand what's going on more quickly, to focus in the right areas, to maximize their margins, but also delivering a better buying experience to the the customer, right? so that they actually get better information quicker, enable them to make smarter decisions. And what's really, really interesting, we're seeing this emerging very, very rapidly now, is this sense that if you can meld the sort of the human and the artificial intelligence pieces of the sales process together effectively, you can really power a much, much better selling motion and a much better buying experience. And it's because both sides of that equation bring something that's completely unique. We we know what the sort of traditional human salesperson can bring. They can bring a lot of insight and empathy and, and sort of global context. And then you marry that with things like AI. It can deliver incredibly powerful ability to spot quickly emerging trends, emerging patterns of behavior, opportunities to, to really sort of tune that interaction, and you bring them together, and you've got the analytic power of AI and the context and, and empathy power of a human being, and you can deliver an incredibly personalized, really, really effective, fast uh, selling process, which you know increasingly, I think, becomes one of the big differentiators that B2B businesses are going to have to lean on as they think their way through, plan their way through, the next six months, six years.
0: Right. I just, I want the audience to hear when we were talking about AI, we weren't talking about using AI to replace the human, human experience, human to human experience that the customer has with a company. Jeff is talking about AI to support somebody on the inside of a company, be it a support agent or a salesperson or marketing people internally being able to spot what's, what, what their customer's buying patterns are, which is ultimately going to give the customer a better experience. So this is really important. Um, I've, I've mentioned her name a number of times, Jenny Rometty from IBM. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. She is the CEO. And I remember when she said, if you take the initials AI and flip them around to become IA, IA is Intelligent Assistant supporting somebody at a company, not supporting the customer. And that gives the person at the company the better ability to support the customer, the better ability to sell to the customer, to know what the customer wants and needs. I think that's what you're saying.
1: It is. It's, it's a, this sort of idea of augmented intelligence, right? That intelligence. Oh, there you go. Person.
0: Augmented intelligence. And, uh, and yeah, Damn. exactly.
1: Right. There's always that's... an industry term for this stuff. The mm-hmm. other thing that's interesting though, and I do think we see this also emerging is there is a real move on the part of the the buyers themselves to want to own more of the buying process. So you kind of have, what you're able to do as a a business is you have to look at, well, sometimes buyers want to just go get stuff themselves. They just want to come to an e-commerce portal and say, you know what I want? It's the same thing I've always wanted. I want one of those and 50 of those and six tons of that and just get it done quickly. Sometimes they're going to say, you know what, I'm not really sure what I need. I need some help. Let me bring in an expert. And that expert increasingly is becoming the salesperson, right? The role of the B2B salesperson is becoming someone who can come and make sense, answer questions, provide guidance, really understand the question that's being asked by the the human at the other end of this. And again, the two parts of that process working together, the self-service aspect of help me just, I just want to go get this stuff myself. I, want, I know what I need, let me go get it. And the ability to move to another channel and say, well, actually give me a salesperson that can answer this question and let it all happen very, very seamlessly without having to you know, put the onus back onto the buyer to explain everything all over again. Again, that automation capability, if it connects those pieces together, then you really, really have an incredible experience for the buyer that just drives... Better sales, uh, better experience, better margin, but actually also drives more loyalty from the buyer themselves. They they'll come back because they know they can get the answers they need when they need them.
0: Right. So this is a really important lesson, B two B or B two C. And I know you're focusing a lot on B two B ideas today, but mm-hmm. uh, the immediate fallback from a self service solution or a self service experience to talking to a human is so important. Uh, the most Basic example is if you today go to your grocery store that has a self-service lane where you can check out, I'll bet if you say, it's stuck. I can't use it. How do I get this piece of fruit <laughs> you know, to be scanned? There will be somebody there within seconds because they almost always will have somebody standing around to help you out. And that's that human fallback. If you go to Zappos.com, which to me is one of the greatest... Uh, online digital website selling shoes. There is a phone number on every page for a reason. They want to make it easy for you to get to a human being. Uh, if you use instant chat uh, that's driven by AI on your website and your chat bot recognizes the customer didn't respond the way they were supposed to, that means there's a miscommunication. Mm-hmm. It will seamlessly move you to a human and the human takes over the chat. And of course, if you want to pick up the phone and call, wouldn't it be nice is when you continue that conversation? By the way, is use a continue versus let's start over. Now, what were you doing? What were you typing in? What was the question? So that's what you're referring
1: to. Absolutely. And and you know, the thing is that we, we sort of bring that expectation of a, a much smoother experience in our B2C world into the B2B world. But the interesting thing about B2B buying is the stakes are so much higher, right? For, you know, if you're a B2C person, if you go to the the, the supermarket and you buy, you know, the wrong kind of pineapple, it's an, you know, you can be, oh, this is the wrong size pineapple. I I made a mistake. You buy 50,000 tons of the wrong kind of steel uh, for your business, you're out of a job. The stakes are so much higher in B2B world. So therefore the expectation is when I need help, I really need help, right? I need guidance, I need help, I need support. And same thing on the the sales side the sales people who are engaging in that conversation want really actionable insights so that they can immediately pick up the conversation the customer's already sort of having with your business via a digital channel, own it, understand it, deliver value, and then as necessary, pass that customer back into another digital channel where they can complete the transaction. And that that this sort of concept of omni-channel, right, of of moving between channels and doing so seamlessly and doing so very easily is what really transforms the the sort of the B2B sales process.
0: Well, Well said, well said, and well summarized. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to follow up on the idea that the stakes are higher than ever in B2B versus B2C. I want to elaborate that on a bit. I have a few thoughts I want to throw your way and see what you're thinking about that. So don't go away, everybody. We're going to come right back with Jeff Webb, the Vice President of Strategy at Pros. This is Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. Cult is not a scary word. My book, The Cult of the Customer, proves it. It helps you design a strategy to lead customers and employees through five cultural phases or cults. And good news, I've revised and updated the book. The new edition, The Cult of the Customer, is available for purchase now. It features case studies, tips, and tactics to guide you on the journey from uncertainty to amazement and build a customer focused culture, a cult of the customer. So, what are you waiting for? Go to www.cultofthecustomer.com. Go there today and order. Join the cult that turns satisfied customers into customer evangelists the cult of the customer. You're listening to amazing business radio with bestselling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on amazing business radio. We are talking with Jeff Webb over at pros and you made a comment to me, uh, or to all of us just a moment before we broke that the stakes were higher than ever. And you gave us some good background. I just want to emphasize that point. Um, Because if you walk into a mall, and some of our listeners have heard me mention this example, not often, and you want to buy a a shirt or jeans, there's 10 stores you can go to. And if you look at one and it's really busy and it looks like it's going to take a while to get through, or maybe you're just not treated quite the right way, you might come back to that store. And not only that, you're going to buy your jeans and your t-shirt, maybe a couple, three times a year, you're going to get a new pair of the jeans or maybe once a year, but you're going to come back soon. In B2B, it doesn't always happen that way. You just mentioned, you know, somebody's going to order 50,000 tons or uh, units of whatever, that's a big purchase. Uh, what if it's a piece of equipment that they're buying from you that has a lifespan of, say, 10 years, 12 years? Uh, one of my clients that I work with calls that when they make a mistake and they lose a customer because of the experience or the service, not just because they weren't competitive they say, you know what, that's a generational mistake. It's going to be a whole nother generation of uh, new employees, even an age generation before they have a chance to go in and replace that equipment. The stakes are huge. So yeah. let's, let's riff on that for a minute. What are your thoughts about the stakes being
1: that big? They are. <clears throat> they absolutely are. And you know, it's interesting. Um, In the B2B world, as we talked about, the the sort of emotional stakes are very high too for buyers. They need to be confident and they need to have trust in the vendor. They need to know they're making good decisions based on good information. And that that puts a lot of pressure on vendors to really up their game in how they sell. And what we've seen is, as you know, the past few months, the shift to digital channels means that they have less opportunity for what would be that sort of face-to-face across-the-table interactions. They're now having to think about interacting digitally, and that puts more pressure on things like responsiveness, transparency, building trust. And you're absolutely right. If you if you don't offer the right buying experience and, and we tend not to think about things like buying experience in terms of B2B, right? We think of it very often in B2C, but a bad buying experience for somebody who's under pressure themselves, who has a job to get done and who just can't get the right information or can't get a quote back from you. in you know, the, the two hours they have available, that bad buying experience will, will really have repercussions for potentially years and could cost you millions and millions of dollars. And especially now, it could cost you a customer entirely. Um, yeah. And nobody, nobody wants that.
0: Yep. Well said. All right. Let's jump into another area because you keep saying um, what's happening now and COVID-19 pandemic, you know, what's different than it was before. This is big. Your company commissioned a study um, and it's called the buying trends report. So what are the shifts in buyers preferences today? And I know you're focused mostly on B2B with this, but again, everything I think conceptually Even if it's the numbers might be different or the examples might be different, I think the the crossover is very very similar B two B B two C. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, the first things that we saw uh, from this report, and this is an independent report uh, of B two B buyers across multiple nations, um, was first thing that happened when the pandemic hit was that people shifted very quickly to buying online. They shifted very quickly to e commerce channels and other digital channels simply because they had to, and That accelerated extremely rapidly within the first couple of months, it was, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40%. We actually had one customer um, that's a manufacturing organization. They went from about 10% of their business being online to being something like about 80% of their business online in months. And if if your organization isn't ready to deal with that, you have a huge problem because your customers literally cannot buy from you anymore. So first thing that we saw was that they moved very rapidly into digital channels um, the thing that they told many, many B2B buyers told us in the, the results was that the vendors they were working with were just not ready for that. And it was, it's not a great surprise. No one I think could have planned for this, yep. but they just weren't ready. As a result, they hit a series of really, you know, frustrating roadblocks. I think the biggest, uh, the most commonly cited one was simply it was too slow, too slow, too difficult to get the information, uh, lack of transparency in what was going on. Um, all of those things really caused friction in the sales process and that friction right now is something that will eventually drive even a good customer away because other people will enter with a you know a better buying experience and they will attempt to steal those customers from you.
0: Right, there is a, a little bit of more empathy and leeway that a customer will give you, or it did give you during the very beginning of this pandemic mm-hmm. as companies were starting to figure out what they had to do. But within a fairly short period of time, these customers expected their companies to figure it out and make sure that this type of experience didn't happen again. So if it's still happening months after the pandemic started, and by the way, uh, I'm, I'm not, I can't tell what's going to happen in the future, but if the companies haven't sat down and come up with a new doomsday scenario plan for if this happens again, what do we do? They're it's time to, that's the first thing they should do after listening to our interview today is <laughs> at least come up with a yeah. contingency plan. Uh, one of my favorite lines is Noah built the ark before it rained. Well, now that you've experienced the 40 days and 40 nights of rain, what mm-hmm. happens if it comes back in a few months and, yeah. or even next year? So Absolutely. anyway, I digress, I digress, but I think that the planning ahead and the proper scaling to the way of doing things, you mentioned buyers are going online and there's a reason for that. It's because uh, a salesperson can't go and visit them. Uh, They can't come to a plant and check out equipment that might be uh, demoed. They can't go to a trade show and see exhibits that show this. So the digitization, that's such a word, it's digital. The new digital world we're living in today. And by the way, if this had happened 20 years ago, Everybody's in trouble, but at least yeah. today we have tools that we can you know more or less overcome some of these obstacles. We can show people um, using technology uh, for lack of a better term zoom technology anything mm-hmm. related to the video uh, ability to showcase and show what are what do you see these uh, B2B companies doing as far as using video
1: in, in their work yeah, absolutely well I think what we see is that um, B2B companies are now using a lot of different technologies to to kind of reform that connection with the customer that, again, they would have had typically in a face-to-face across-the-table conversation. Sometimes that's things like, you know, video tools where you can sell, it's it's collaborative workspaces, it's um, technology that's listening to a phone call and offering up insight in real time to a salesperson. For us, it's really focusing on how do I, as quickly as possible, get very specific information to a salesperson about the account that they're talking to, about the particular transaction, and about the, the context for them, what's going on in the market, what's driving that customer behavior, so that a salesperson can say, well, actually, I know what they need, and let me give them some better advice, and let me price this thing exactly right for this transaction, um, so that you essentially can, can meet this need that is to personalize that offer, and we we see this over and over again, when we, we talk to the, you know, our sort of our customers' customers, right? The, the B2B buyer, um, there is a real desire to say, well, actually I want you to solve my problem. Not a problem for somebody kind of like me, not the problem I had six months ago. I have an issue right now, I need you to solve this thing. I need, you know, 6,000 square feet of roofing materials because there's a hurricane coming. Can I, I need that this week, solve it for me now for that. What's fascinating is when you dig into that, you discover that the B two B buyers themselves are actually prepared to pay more. They will actually. We've seen studies where they they're will say, "Desperate." Well, I'll, I'll pay in a way, that's the a, right maybe solution. a word to
0: describe it. It's desperation because they need it now, and they know there's uh, this pandemic, and they're worried they're not going to be able to satisfy their
1: customers. Yeah, it's actually even beyond that. It's a recognition, even when it's not even the sort of the, the, the kind of highly acute time pressures that would cause that. It's just a recognition that if you can give me exactly the right thing I need, because you know me, you know my business, you know my market, you know what's driving it, I don't mind paying a little more for that. Because again, what that goes back to is ultimately that better experience, right? I know you're going to solve my business problem. You're not just going to sell me something because you have lots of it. You're going to sell me exactly what I need. And that level of personalization in every instance has huge value. So the question then to the business is, how do I make sure that happens? How do I give my sales force that information? How do I deliver it to a you know a, a, an e-commerce channel where there may not be a salesperson directly engaged?
0: We did a survey of consumers, and uh, over a thousand consumers, and what we found is exactly what you're finding. 62% of people surveyed said they would pay more if the service and experience was better, meaning they can count on the company to get them what mm-hmm. they wanted, when they wanted it, it was a good experience. And I'll throw this out that the numbers went up even higher. I looked away for a moment, but let me give you that example. The numbers went up even higher if that experience was convenient. It goes up to almost 69% for a more convenient experience. Mm-hmm. And it goes up to 90% when there's some sense of you're going to deliver this to me and really make it easier for me. Oh, yeah. And I, I know that that may or may not have as much to do with the B2B, but. Let's take a look at convenience and just being, uh, having a better experience. People pay more. And, mm-hmm. and I think they're conditioned to do that, whether it's consumer or whether it's, you know, uh, enterprise buyer, it makes you know, no difference, or a business buyer. Yeah. So uh, there is a great stat that you have in your B2B buying trends report, three quarters of buyers, vendors, preferences shifted as a result of COVID-19. And this is the, the stat 50% stopped using certain vendors due to the pandemic,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. 50%, yeah. does that mean they, that the vendors didn't deliver? So what was interesting in the, the, the first few months of this pandemic was it changed not only the expectations of the buyers, but also what they valued from their vendors, For example, it might be the case that I normally order 600 pallets of a particular kind of material and I need it shipped on a certain day and I need it at this price. When the pandemic hit, everybody's business was disrupted. It didn't matter who you were. There was a level of disruption. It might mean now that the value I, I actually put you know, the thing I really care about is I don't need that, that huge number of shipments. I need lots of smaller shipments because I'm having to work at a different, a different pace or a different cadence. Or I might mean I need much higher degree of reliability, so I'm going to pay for more. I'm going to pay for a, a higher amount for shipping reliability rather than just for volume. So the, the things that people valued changed And if the businesses that were selling to them didn't understand that, they couldn't see that in the behaviors that they were witnessing. If they didn't understand what was driving that market, they could lose that customer to somebody else that did. And that's what we mean when we talk about the stakes being so high is that there is what customer's value is changing, the things that they want is changing, and there are potentially other competitors emerging who want to step in and offer a slightly different solution.
0: Right. And so, Pros does uh, really uh, gives a solution to that. And that really, I think a company needs to do two things. Number one, they need to talk to their customers at a much deeper level right now, because they need to understand what the needs, wants, expectations are that may or may not be the same or completely different than they were six months ago. Number two, they need a tool to help them spot the trends and the patterns and as quickly as possible, and I think that's where Pros steps in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Really, our job is to go from basic questions like, "What do I charge for this? What is the right price for this sort of thing?" Or, let me do the analysis to see where I, where the money is coming in from, and am I charging the right things, all the way through to help me make salespeople more informed, so that they can quickly get a you know the right product and pricing and packaging out to a customer, and ultimately delivering all of that insight into self-service channels like e-commerce so customers when they want to can very quickly self-serve with exactly the right product offering at a price that they go well actually yeah that's the that's the price that this is worth to me and bringing all those things together is what transforms that sales process.
0: So we're talking about customer experience you use the word salesperson over and over again Mm -hmm. and really it could be an outside salesperson and inside (laughs) salesperson who also is often called a support person sales slash support or my inside, whatever you want to call them. It's relationship building. And that to me is what every company needs to be focused on. All right. We're basically out of time. I always ask the one thing question. Is there one last thing you would love to share with this audience that you say, you know what, if nothing else, I hope they remember this.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think the first thing I would say is You know, we've talked a lot about transforming that sales process. It sounds very daunting for most organizations. They're sitting there going, I don't even know how to begin. I would say the one thing to remember is actually you can get there. There are incremental things you can do to start down that process of building a better informed, more effective sales process using digital technologies. You don't have to do it all at once. And we can incrementally work your way towards that ultimate goal of a full better experience for the buyer. Yeah, that's great.
0: All right, this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Thank you, Jeff Webb of Pros for a great interview. Lots of great information, lots of takeaway. Remember, uh, sales is a big part of service. Uh, Support works hand-in-hand with service. I believe true customer support in a company shouldn't be called just customer service or customer support. They should be called customer, got to get you back in the door for the next time. That's the new title. <laughs> anyway. So Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Chef. Really enjoyed oh. it. All right, everybody. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio wrapped up. We will have next week another amazing interview. So until then, uh, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and stay amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.